So our, our passage for today is from John chapter 21, and we're looking at verses 1 to 14. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. Just before I start, because it starts with the words, after these things. So I want to tell you what these things are. So in only about the two to three weeks before this passage is happening, the disciples were thrilled because they knew that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God. And they were thinking, wow, he's going to ride into Jerusalem. He's going to defeat the Romans. He's going to establish his kingdom on earth. And then wallop Calvary and the cross. And for them standing here, though they'd heard what he said, sometimes we can hear with these, but not in the depths of our mind and in our heart. And that's what had happened with them. So there was this one who taught them for three years, who they knew was the Messiah, and he was being nailed to a cross. And of course he died, and he was buried. And they were scared stiff. They were not only sad beyond any grief you can imagine, but they were terrified for their own lives because some of them had watched what had happened. And a crucifixion, as we know, is one of the worst deaths. And so they were terrified and they hid away. And then, in a matter of only three days, Jesus was alive again and the resurrection. And of course it's wonderful because we look from where we are at it. We can see the whole picture, but they, it was like their emotions were dashed and then lifted and they just were in turmoil. Yes, it was wonderful. He was there, he was risen, but then he was gone again. Then he came back again. And they saw him in that upper room, but Thomas wasn't there. And so a week later, they were, they were still frightened. And they were there, shut in that upper room again, and he appeared again. And that's now where we come to in this passage. So when it says, after these things, it's those things. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. That's the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other of his disciples, were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. I'm going to comment on this later. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night, they caught nothing. 
But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, he would have had to have called out, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you'll find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he'd removed it, and plunged into the sea. So typical of Peter. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, about 100 yards, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was Jesus, that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So there we have it. In a way, it speaks for itself, but I want to comment on just a few things. This won't be a long talk today. But when I told you about this huge, like a great wave, going up and then crashing down, coming up again, Jesus the Messiah, Jesus crucified, Jesus risen, Jesus disappears, Jesus back again with them, Jesus gone again, Jesus there again, their emotions so up and down, not knowing quite how they felt really. And sometimes when there are very big emotional things in our life that send us high and then we can crash down, the familiar, that that's homely and ordinary and familiar can bring calm. It can bring a sense of the everyday, that everything's normal, not this great up and this great down. And I think that's why Simon Peter said, let's go a fishing, because three of them were expert professional fishermen. Maybe the others had fished a bit, I don't know, but three of them certainly were. And so they knew fishing and to go out in that boat 
on the Sea of Galilee at night, which is when most fishermen catch fish at night, it, it was a calming thing. It was something that they knew, something they recognized, something they were familiar with. But that night, they didn't catch anything. And they must have felt a bit dispirited. That happens occasionally, but it's rare for professional fishermen out at night on the Sea of Galilee to get nothing, absolutely nothing, not even a few squid or a little fish or anything, just nothing. And so they're bringing the boat back to shore. And they're on the shore, and John recognizes, and I think somehow inside each one there was something familiar. Is it? Is it Jesus again? Has he come again? Just, they didn't quite know how they felt. And then John whispers to Simon Peter, yes, yes, it, it's Jesus. But before that, Jesus calls out to them, have you caught anything? And they say, no. And then he says, well, cast your nets onto the right side of the boat. Now, I'm sh I mean, I don't know much about fishing at all. I had an uncle who fished, and we used to go to the lake, and we used to go to the rivers where he fished. But they were professional fishermen. <laughs> they wouldn't have just been throwing their nets onto the left-hand side of the boat all the night long. They would as well have been throwing them onto the right-hand side. So this is what makes me realize they somehow knew it was the Lord. Because otherwise, somebody standing on the shore, when they'd been fishing all night and caught nothing, to say to them, well, cast your net onto the right side of the boat and, you, and you'll catch something. They would have thought, well, the man's absolutely loopy. We've just done that all night and caught nothing. But inside of them, there was this. They'd heard it, of course, before. Right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, Simon Peter and his brother Andrew had been out fishing and caught nothing. And Jesus had shouted to them from the shore then. And they cast again. And so many fish that James and John, who were fishing not far away, had to bring their boat as well to, to bring in the load of fish. There were so many. So they'd heard it before. And something resonated. And they did it. And of course, the nets, they didn't break. But by golly, 153 large, it says they were large fish. And then Peter jumps into the sea and off he goes and they all, and they pull the nets up. But what do they find? Jesus has already got a fire and there are already fish cooking and fresh bread. So actually, Jesus didn't need them to bring the fish. He didn't need them to catch anything. He'd already got enough breakfast for them all. 
And there is a sense, there is a sense in which he doesn't need us. He's almighty God. If he wanted to, in any country of the world, no matter how closed, no matter how persecuted the Christians are, he could reveal himself. And at times he does, regardless of any human intervention. I'm just reading the most, one of the most wonderful books I've ever read. It's an old book. It was written by Amy Carmichael, and it's called Plowed, as you plow a field, Plowed Under. And it's about um, a Hindu girl uh, in the 19th century, she'd never, ever heard that there was an almighty creator God. She'd never heard the name of Jesus. She was in a very strict Hindu environment, and she had to worship Shiva, one of the Hindu gods, but something in her knew that she wasn't always good, that her reactions weren't always right. And she thought, if there was an almighty God who'd created me, he could change me. And so she started to pray to this almighty unknown God. And in the end, she discovered it was Jesus. So, and nobody told her that. So, in one sense, he doesn't need us. But look what he said on that morning. And he would still say it now. Bring some of the fish which you've just caught. Because Jesus is gracious. He is gracious, kind, thoughtful, beyond any, anybody that we know. He's compassionate. He knows that it matters to us that we're involved. He wants to use us. He wants to work through us. But most of all, he just wants to befriend us to come alongside, to encourage us. He's gracious and he's compassionate. And also, he knows us through and through. He knows us inside out. So he knew better than anybody, better really even than the disciples knew themselves, that they'd gone through this great trauma of the cross, and then the joy and the, oh, the excitement of the resurrection. And then, but he's gone again. Where's he gone now? And then him coming again. He knew this roller coaster of emotions. And he knew the comfort of a morning cooked breakfast, sitting on a beach with everything quiet and no crowds around, 
and he'd cooked breakfast. And he said, come and eat breakfast. Almighty God, in our Lord Jesus Christ, cares, he cares about our emotions. He cares about us as human beings. We're not angels. And yes, one day we will be like him, the Bible tells us, for we shall see him as he is. But now he knows that we're flesh and that we're blood. We're just going to look at a couple of verses from Psalm 103. And somewhere I've got a marker in. <laughs> Here it is. Um, Psalm 103, and we're just looking at the moment at verses 13 and 14. This is what it says. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Just as a father, I learned to read before I went to school on my father's knee. Every morning, he had the Daily Express. And in those days, there was a character called Rupert Bear. And there was another character called Mary Mouse. And he never taught me. He just, his finger just went along. But when I got to school, I could read. I remember thinking, I wonder why the books... In, they even had book corners then. We're talking 75 years ago when I first went to school. And I thought, why are they such little books? Why, why aren't they big books with a lot of writing in them? Because I could read. I didn't know that there were children who couldn't read. And they were just learning. But just as my father loved me and had me on his knee, and when it says pitied, it isn't quite the right word. It means understand, loves us with loving understanding. And he understands who we are. And he understands that even when we're very, very grown up, and even when we're very, very old, there's something still of the child in us. And sometimes we just still want our mum. <laughs> We want a bit of comfort. And he knows and he understands and he meets us where we are. We're not going to have on the screen the next two verses, but I just want to mention them because I just think it's so wonderful. In um, Peter's letter, his first letter, and chapter 2 and verse 3, he says this, The Lord is gracious. I wonder whether he remembered that morning. There was something so particularly kind and gracious that morning. And James, who of course was there in that boat as well, in his uh, letter, he says, the Lord is very compassionate. That's in chapter five of James and verse 11, very compassionate. And compassion is when 
we look at another person and forget ourselves and just feel for them so much. Maybe something they're going through. Because everything isn't always wonderful. We've celebrated this morning and we've celebrated two of our young people who are going off to uni and we've congratulated them and it's wonderful. And we're celebrating as well with Claudia that the Lord's leading her to Bible college in Germany and he's made it plain and clear. But it won't all be hunky-dory. It won't all be smooth. It won't all be celebration and wonderful. It never is in any life. There are ups and there are glorious ups and we celebrate them. And there's the ordinary. But as well, there's days when it's really tough. When we long for home. When we long for something to stop. When we want to feel well again. When we want to feel happy again. We might have had sadness or bereavement. Challenges that come. And then, in the downs, as well as the ups, he's there. In the tough, as well as the smooth, and the smooth as well as the tough, he's there. He's compassionate. So, we're going to look again at Psalm 103. And this time, we're going to read the verses that come before it. So, Psalm 103 and we're beginning this time at verse 8. And here it tells us, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding. It means overflowing in mercy. So when we need forgiveness, he's overflowing in forgiveness and mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, and they can never meet. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows, and the word means understands, our frame. He remembers that we are dust. So when it's tough, maybe in the next week, maybe in the next month, maybe we have to say some goodbyes and they're not easy. Maybe things will happen that are upsetting or difficult or challenging. He's the same. He doesn't change. Malachi, who was the last prophet in the Old Testament, 400 years after Malachi prophesied, 
God never spoke one word. He watched, he was still there until the New Testament. And John the Baptist and Mary and Jesus. But in that last prophecy of Malachi's, before that 400 years, God said, I am the Lord, I do not change. So what he was in Psalm 103, what Jesus was on the shore that morning, he is now. And he is now for you and for me. Compassionate, gracious, knowing our frame, remembering we're dust. Let's pray. Father, thank you that life is not humdrum. Thank you for the ups. And thank you that in the downs and in the challenges and in times when we don't feel well or in times when we're discouraged, you are the same and you remember. You remember that we're human beings. You know us inside out and you're filled with compassion and understanding and love and grace and we thank you with all our hearts in Jesus name. Amen.